You're listening to the Church 2911 Sermons Podcast. You can follow along with the notes for this message and get better connected with our church by visiting church2911.com connect. Now, here's Pastor Rick or another member of our team with this week's message. Okay, so we're talking about these things of worship. We just worship. You got another chance to worship before we close. We'll do another song. If you missed that, if you, did, if you didn't really get into your work, you need, you need to do it. Okay, take advantage of that. Then we serve was the second week. And uh, had a lot of you picked that up. Say, yeah, I need to find my place to fulfill what God has put in my life. Awesome. That is awesome. Last week was about gathering. Uh, like Kyle just said, it's not about me. It's about reaching somebody else that needs to know this awesome story of Jesus and needs to know him personally. And now today is grow. Grow. Okay. So let me, let me start right here with, with growing. Is perfect people have no room to grow. They have no space to grow. Perfect people can't get any better, so they don't have to grow, right? Perfect people, I mean, if you're perfect, what, what more can you go after? Okay, so here's what I want to do. I'm going to introduce to you the perfect people in the room, okay? Just the perfect people in the room. And when I call your name, Stand up, if you will, so everyone can see the perfect people, because I, I, need, I need to draw a little distinction here, okay? So when I call your name, stand up, perfect people in the room. Is everyone ready? Okay. In those few seconds <laughs> that we paused, we thought about it and all that, and me setting that up, no one in this room thought I was going to call their name. Now, now think about that. No one. No one was sitting there thinking, oh, he's about to call my name. <laughs> you know how you used to do in school and you hope they were going to call your name for the war? Nobody thought I was going to call their name. I want you to get that. There is no one in this room who really believes they are perfect. Now, I know sometimes your spouse will tell you they are, right, or something like you know. But nobody really believed that I was going to call their name to stand up because none of us are perfect, okay? But perfect people have no room for growth but the rest of us do the rest every one of us if you're not perfect that means you've got room to grow you've got something else to accomplish something to attain right even even the apostle paul talked about that and, and with everything he had done everything he'd accomplished all the sermons he preached he wrote half of the new testament you know as god as, as god inspired him and all of that and what did paul still say i still have not yet attained I press forward to the goal of the prize of the calling in Christ Jesus. He said, I haven't, still haven't attained. None of us, if you're not perfect, you haven't yet attained. You've got something to go after. Okay, so let's talk about it. Around 2911, we like to say it this way, that you need to own your growth. You need to own, we, we can do everything possible for you but in the end you have to own your growth you have to decide you have to do it I can cook the meal I can lay it out on the table I can come to the recliner pick you up carry you and put you in a chair but at some point you're gonna have to eat you know I can sign you up for exercise classes some of you're saying please don't pastor don't waste your money right I can sign you up for the exercise classes I can come pick you up. I can drop, you know, wake you up early in the morning and get you there. I'm not going in with you, but I can drop you off. And if I drop you off and you're going in to exercise, you know, you're going to have to do it. I can do all those things for you, but you have to do it. You're going to have to own your growth. 
We have a great example in Scripture of a man who owned his growth. Acts chapter 8. And there was a court official from Ethiopia uh, in, in Acts chapter 8. It's about halfway down. And we're not going to read the verses there, but, but there, if you, you want to read them, and I really encourage you to read this story, great story. Uh, you go to the Connect page that Kyle was talking about a few minutes ago, go there, look at the sermon notes and the links to the scriptures and some scriptures that I'm not even going to uh, have time to bring to you today. They're all right there, okay, as well. So you can check that out. But this court official from Ethiopia, uh, this story here, he owned his growth. And, and one of the things that's really cool about it is, uh, is, is he got connected with an apostle named Philip. Now, you've probably heard a lot about Simon Peter, right? You've heard things about John. You've heard of Matthew, the tax collector. You've heard about, you know, and we know stories about a lot of those guys. We don't know many stories about Philip. Here's a story about Philip, okay? So here's what we find out, this court official from Ethiopia, we find out, first thing, is that he went to Jerusalem to worship. Jerusalem is 1,500 miles from Ethiopia. How far did you drive this morning? Come on, think, in air conditioning, right? He didn't have any air conditioning, except maybe that horse's tail, you know, whatever, that was pulling his chariot. You know, that's about all the air conditioning he might have had. You know, no Mickey D's on every corner, no Chick-fil-A, not even one rest area. Let's don't even get into what they might have had to do, right? You know, how they took care of that kind of a need. No place to get a cold, ice-cold drink on the way. None of that, 1,500 miles. Okay, but this kind of begs the question a little bit. Did he actually go from Ethiopia to Jerusalem, 1,500 miles, just to worship? Or, because, you know, I said, the, way it's, the way it's written, I could see that maybe he was on a trip. Maybe, you know, he's a court official from Ethiopia. He could have been on a trip to another country and was passing through Israel and decided to go to Jerusalem. Or maybe he was on vacation. If he was a court official, you know, a lot of people didn't get vacations back in those days. But if you're somebody, you might get a vacation. But, okay, so maybe he didn't do that. But that was cool. That, for whatever reason, if, whether he traveled 1,500 miles just to worship or on his vacation or business trip, he found the opportunity and he made the opportunity to go worship in Jerusalem. Either one of those, this guy was on in his growth. He was saying, even though I'm on a business trip, I'm still going to worship. Even though I was on I'm on vacation, I'm going to worship. I'm going to find a way. So either way that he did it, I mean, this guy was on in his growth. He was all over it. I'm in charge. I'm getting this done. But he didn't understand. He was reading. Uh, and when Philip catches up to his chariot, and, and this, was a, this was a divine direction, the Holy Spirit led Philip to, to this place where this chariot was coming by. When he catches up the chariot, he hears the guy, this Ethiopian, he hears him up in, the, up in his chariot, and he's reading from the scroll from the book of Isaiah. What you and I call the book of Isaiah in our Bibles today, he was reading from that. So it, it, that tells me he was probably, a, 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 whether he was a Jew by birth, he was probably a Jew by his religion because he was reading from Isaiah. And when Philip catches up with him, he hears him reading, and Philip says, do you understand what you're reading? And it, this Ethiopian says, how can I, can I unless someone explain it to me? Awesome, cool thing, right? He's reading, even though he doesn't understand. You and I, come on, let's be truthful here. We use that as an excuse to not read. Amen? We say, well, I, can't, I don't understand it, so I'm just not going to read it. I don't read the Bible very often because I don't understand a lot. Of, how are you ever going to understand it if you don't read? If you took that 
same attitude when you were in high school. No wonder you got D's and F's, right? I don't understand it, so I'm just not going to study it anymore. I, I, I'm, a, I'm a math guy. Right? You know, I like math because 2 plus 2 is 2 today. It's 2 tomorrow. It's 2 all the time. There is no I after E except after C. You know, 2 plus 2, I, I'm a math guy. I like math. But let me tell you, those first few days in trigonometry, I was lost. I didn't understand it. What do you do? Well, I'm just, I'm just not going to study it anymore. You know, I'm talking high school. It wasn't college where you just go drop the course, you know. This is high school. You know, I've already signed up. This is the t- I, got, I got to finish this, you know. Don't go home and tell your mom and dad, I'm, I'm going to drop out of trigonometry, you know. You got to do it, right? I, I, had, I had to dig down. I had to roll up my sleeves. I had to get into it. I had to study. You know what? I figured out enough to get through it, right, you know. And I didn't do that by saying I don't understand it, so I'm not going to study it anymore. This guy owned his growth. I don't understand it, but I'm still reading. And he kept reading. He kept reading. And, but here's the cool thing. Since he was trying to understand, even though he didn't yet understand, what happened? God sent him somebody. The Holy Spirit told Philip where to go, led Philip where to go, and Philip was at the right place. Chariot, he catches up with the chariot. All this works together. This is awesome. And, and think about it. It's Philip. He's an apostle, one of the 12. I mean, God didn't just send him anybody. He sent him an apostle. Wouldn't that be awesome to have, you know, an apostle show up to explain the scripture to you or something? That, that was awesome. That's what it, wouldn't, wouldn't you like God to do something like that for you? That's a setup question. Y'all stepped into it too right there. He does. Every single semester, God provides you with small groups to get into to help you understand better. Every single semester. So don't say, I don't understand, I don't have anybody help me. No, you, you got all kinds. Two weeks from today, when small groups kick off, you're going to have an opportunity to pick a small group, just whichever one you want. We're not going to assign them to you. Pick the one that, that works for your schedule, those kind of things, get in. And you then you don't, don't say, I don't have those people, because God is providing those people for you every single semester. Not just a leader, but a whole small group of people that you can ask the question, say, you know, this guy, and listen, don't be afraid to ask the question because, I, I mean, I'm reading stuff that I've read 10 times in my life and still say, I, I don't quite get that. You know, someone came to me after, um, after the first service, in between services, and they walked up and they said, thank you. And I'm waiting for, okay, for the what, for the why, you know. Because sometimes it's kind of a sarcastic thank you, you know, and I'm just waiting for the other shoe to drop. They said, thank you. I explained, and, and I'm going to do this in a few minutes, this scripture that, that this lady, this is a lady that's been in church all her life. She said, thank you for explaining this scripture because I've always wondered what that meant. That happens to all of us, okay? Even the pastors, so don't, don't be afraid to ask the question. I love, I got uh, this week, I love, I love when you guys text me stuff like this. I got one this week said, I'm confused. <laughs> you know, we all get confused. And so then I opened the text, see what it was about, and there was a scripture right there, and I was like, yes, I get the opportunity to help someone understand. I love that. You need that? God's providing it through small groups. Okay, I'll, I'll, I'll go on. I won't, I won't, I won't, I won't because I'm actually coming back to small groups in a few minutes in this sermon, okay? I hadn't, I hadn't left small groups yet either. Okay, so he was reading even though he didn't understand it all. And then he found an opportunity to do the next thing that he needed to do. He didn't wait for somebody to present the opportunity to him. He found the opportunity, okay? So he's probably, he's been... He's been following Judaism. He's been following the law of the Old Testament. Now he finds out about, as as Philip introduces him, the scriptures are talking about Jesus. He accepts Jesus Christ. He becomes a Christian right there in his chariot. And then he says, hey, here's some water. 
What keeps me from being baptized right now? Think about it. He didn't say, he didn't wait for the pastor to say, we're going to have a baptism. He didn't wait for somebody to drag a nice baptistry out and fill it up with clean water. He said, there is some water here. It probably wasn't a river. He would have said, what, there's a river here. It probably wasn't even a creek. He said, there's some water here. I don't know what, it could have been almost a cesspool. It could have been covered in algae or whatever. It wasn't as easy as we try to make it on you to be baptized. And he didn't wait for, he didn't even wait for Philip to say, hey, let's go down here and be baptized. He said, he said I, I've, I've got to own this thing. I've, I've got to own my growth. I've got to do something about this. And I've been, I've been faithful in my Judaism, and now that I've found out about Jesus, I'm a Christian, I want to take the next step. The next step is getting baptized. Incidentally, in about five weeks, we're doing a baptism service here. If you've never been baptized, you need to, okay? A little commercial thrown in there. You need to do this. This guy did it even though the pastor didn't say, hey, baptism's coming up. He said, I've got to do this. And, and, and you know, here, here's, here's why I think part of this is. He was headed back to Ethiopia. When he got back to Ethiopia, there was not going to be a church there for him to attend. There was not going to be a pastor for him to call on. He and Philip were about to part ways. He was going back to Ethiopia. Philip was going another direction where the Holy Spirit was leading him. Another, another place the Holy Spirit was leading him. He would not have Philip. He would not have a small group. He would not have a podcast. He, he would not have any of the things that you and I are able to rely on today. And so he knew that he was about to go back to Ethiopia. And he was going to have to own his growth but he already had. He already had. Doing all of these things, this guy owned his growth. You've got to do that as well. You know, we've all heard it probably. I've heard it so many times. Well, I'm just not getting fed. Again, pull up to the table. Nobody, nobody's keeping you from the table. Nobody snatched the fork out of your hand. Eat. If you don't understand, eat some more. And keep eating until you get fed. We have to own our growth. Well, how to do that, Pastor? Glad you asked. Glad you asked, okay? I'm going to tell you five things of way, the ways to own your growth. And, and some of these things is like the, the subject is something that I, I throw out at you occasionally. And so whenever I go through these kinds of things, I always try to give you something new, okay? So this, even though you're going to hear a word that's the same word you've heard before, I want to give you something new today, okay? Because, you know, I keep throwing new things at you, hoping eventually you'll say, Okay, yeah, that is right. I do need it. Okay, so that's what we're doing today. So here's the first one. Read. Read the Bible. Read the Bible. Okay, so let me, let me start with this right here. Let me set this up before we go to this next slide. Let me set this up. Imagine the impact on your life if every morning someone walked into your bedroom, woke you up, and said, you are a worthless use of space. You are valueless you have you have no value you you have nothing to offer you have nothing to give no one loves you no one ever will love you you have no gifts you have no marketable abilities or talents you will never accomplish anything in your life imagine the impact that would have on your life you know what I've talked to people who've said that's how they were raised that every morning I, okay good I, that that's my point Imagine the impact that would have on you if every single morning you heard that. But then imagine the impact if every single morning you started by reading the Bible and, you, and when you read the Bible you heard that you have value because the Son of God of this universe gave his life for you. Because you have, you have worth, you have 
gifts that he has put inside of you, you are going to accomplish great things because like Jeremiah 29, 11 says that God has an awesome plan for your life to give you a future and a hope that all of the promises and blessings of God are yours. Come on. Yeah. Think about the impact that would have on your life if you open the Bible every morning. Now see, I, 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 used, I used to just say, you need to read the Bible sometime during the day, every day, one, at least once a day, before you go to bed or something. And I used to say, and, and listen, if that's all you can do, then do it. If you've got to do it at night, do it at night. But I'm telling you, imagine the impact. I'm telling you, imagine the impact it will have on your life when you start your day hearing that you are somebody that God loves you, that you are gifted, that you do have value, that something, you have something influential that you are going to do that nobody else in this world can do. Imagine how that would change things. So read, and read as early as you can in the day. I've got a little thing later in the this, this, this sermons we wrap up that might tie into that also. Here's the second thing, pray. At every opportunity, converse with God at every opportunity. Let, let, let me ask, well, let me just... Here's the scripture, 1 Thessalonians 5 and 17. Never stop praying, Paul says. Never stop praying. That sounds like, you know, I've got to walk around with my eyes closed. No, don't do that. <laughs> We've got enough people walking around with their eyes closed proverbially and already, right? Don't walk around with your eyes closed. That's not what it's talking about. It doesn't mean staying on your knees all day long. It means, it means, it means kind of this thing. Like Dave and I, we went to uh, Trustful the other day. Had to go to Home Depot, made another a couple of stops while we were over there. And we talked all the way and all the way back. We conversed all the way over there and all the way back. Does that, you know what? That doesn't mean that one of our mouths was moving the whole time. That's not what that means, right? Right? There, there were, I think, some texts that we got while we were driving, and I think I got one, and I had to hand her the phone, and she read it to me, and, you know, and I told her how to reply or that kind of a thing, and she probably read some texts or whatever. There were some moments that neither one of us said anything. And, but what did we say? We said we talked all the way and all the way back, right? We conversed all the way and all the way back. We didn't listen to the radio. You know, we, we, uh, we, we didn't carry on telephone conversations, really. Uh, I, I don't know that we had a con telephone conversation with anyone outside of it. It's, we conversed all the whole way and all the way back. That's what this means. It means converse. Now, now imagine, imagine your idol. I don't know who, who's your idol or, or someone that you hold in high esteem in this world today. Imagine they called you up and they said, I know we've never met, but I'm going to be in town and I've got an extra hour. How much time do you have that you could spend with me? What would you tell them? Would you try to carve out 10 minutes of your day? No, you would spend every single moment and probably even try to squeeze out a few more minutes than that hour, wouldn't you? Because that's what I'm talking about. Squeeze out every minute you can with God in this way. All right? Dave and I, we conversed all the way over there and all the way back. You know? And, and e even if there had been people in the car, even though there was a text or two, even if there had been a phone conversation, Still, we converse the whole time, right? Now, there, there are times, you know, that me and David, we need to be alone and talk, you know, and not just talk over the grandkids, you know, <laughs> and not just talk over the noise, that we need to converse in that way. But we have a lot, probably more times that we converse with everything going on like that than we do when it's just us. So even though I'm saying converse with God every chance you get, don't, don't neglect those times. Don't neglect to have some time where it's just you and God, but converse with him every chance you get in this way of seeing yourself as always in communication with God. Like he's riding along beside you and like just always sharing. Like, like think it this way. If 
Dave and I are riding in the car, and I think, oh, you know what? I need to talk to Dave about so-and-so. Am I going to pull out a piece of paper and write down a note to remind myself right before we go to bed tonight, let's talk about that? Well, maybe if it's a controversial thing, right? But more than likely, I'm going to say, hey, and I'm just going to talk about it, right? See yourself that way with God. You don't have to make a note to talk to God about it the next time you pray. Tell him right then because he's right there. When you see that and understand that, it's going to change. It's going to revolutionize a lot of your spiritual walk with God. When you realize that we're walking together all the time and we converse together all the time in that way. Okay, here's the third thing. Do. It's not enough to just read and pray. you got to do. James says if you know to do good and don't do it, it's sin. What good is it to know what to do and not do it? What good, you know, I, that's why I jokingly say, mostly joking, some of this is true, I guess. One of the reasons I'm not a good counselor is because when I tell somebody this is what you need to do to pull things together and they don't do it, you know, then they want to come back and talk to me some more. I'm like, yeah, done what I told you to do the first time, you know. I ain't got anything else to help you with yet. Go do that first, right? You know, you know maybe God's thinking that, you know, when you know to do and you don't do it, what good is it to you to know to do? you got to be able to, so do what you know to do. I'm going to say something now that I think to some of you is going to be a little controversial. If I were to just say this in the service and walk away, some of you would say, I don't know about that, but hang with me here for just a minute and let me explain myself, okay? All right, so here it is. Being a Christian is not supposed to be easy. It's supposed to be impactful, okay? It's not supposed to be easy. It's supposed to be impactful. Let me, let me kind of relate it this way. No one in all of history has ever said, Honey, let's have kids because that will make life easier. <laughs> right? Anybody? Anybody say, everybody ever say, no, nobody's ever said that, right? Honey, let's have kids because it'll make life easier. It didn't ma did it make life easier? No. But did it make life fuller? I can't tell you, I don't know if there's anything more rewarding than watching your kids grow up, and especially if you're a Christian, and watching them grow up in church. And then to also raise their kids to grow up in church and to know Jesus Christ. I, can't, I don't know if there's anything more rewarding than that. It's not easy, though. It wasn't supposed to be easy. I don't think anybody's ever said, let's get married because it'll make life easier. There may be some of you that thought that too, you know, you know, and as soon as the honeymoon was over, you know, you realize, no, it didn't necessarily make life easier. We don't get married because it's easier. That's not why we get married. Or, or now maybe some people have said this one, and then they realize later what uh, a stupid remark it was. But to say, I'm going to start my own business because it will be easier. Yeah, if you've ever started a business, that was the people that said, uh, they were the ones that had tried to start a business, okay? <laughs> you know, is it because, yeah, oh, it just seems so much easier. You know, I don't have to listen to the stupidity coming out of my boss's mouth. I get to be the one speaking the stupidity on the, every morning, right? Everybody else has to listen to my stupidity. I have, I'm the one that gets to get up early in the morning to make a stupid decision and then stay up late at night and trying to fix the stupid decisions I've made all day. You don't really go into business because it's easier. There are other reasons for that. In the same, it's like with Christianity. Christianity is not supposed to be easy. It's supposed to have impact. And having impact is not easy. I, 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 you know, and 
it's, it's and, and I want to apologize to you. I want to apologize. If there's anyone that became a Christian because I told you it would be easier that way, or, or maybe some other preacher told you, I want to apologize to you because that's not what it's about. And, and you found out being a Christian, that, does, that doesn't just make life easy. But I will tell you this, a lot of times, walking with Christ is easier than walking without him. But being a Christian is not easy, necessarily. It's supposed to be impactful. And that's why it's not easy. It's because when you're having impact, you're going to have opposition. We are fighting the gates of hell. And coming against the powers of hell and the forces of the enemy against us is not easy. And so being a Christian is not supposed to be easy. It's supposed to have impact. I'm supposed to have impact. And, and whatever it is in your life that is right to do, that you need to be doing, even if nobody else is doing it, do it anyway, even if you have to do it alone. Even if nobody, and there have been so many times. I felt like a man on an island, you know, and had to do it anyway. Pastoring, I can't tell you how many times I felt like I was the only person that saw it. I was the only person God had spoken to. And, you know, and when you get there, you know what, I, I'll tell you what happens because I've been there. Then you start wondering, did God really tell me that when nobody else hears it? If God told you or if you know it's something that needs to be done, do it even if you have to do it alone because it's the right thing to do. Okay, do. Read, pray, do. And connect. Uh, you, you, you hear this word around 29-11 a lot because connection is important. Connection is important. Here, here's, here's your scripture. Ecclesiastes 4, 9 through 10. Two people are better off than one for they can help each other succeed. If one person falls, the other can reach out and help. But, if someone, who falls al- but someone who falls alone is in real trouble. Right? And, and we're talking spiritually as well. When someone falls, falls spiritually, if they're alone, they don't have help. They're in real trouble. You know, and, you know, I'm, I'm blessed. I'm blessed. I, I got a friend that, that uh, I, don't, I don't get to see very often. I don't get to talk to very often. I, I connect with him every, every August because he's three days older than me. And, um, and so I always, I always have to send him a text on that day that he becomes older than me, you know. And, uh, and he used to say all the time, back when I had a little bit of hair because he was totally bald and I would say I, I'd, I'd say something about him being an old man and he had pointed his bald head and said you're gonna look like this one day I didn't know he was speaking prophecy you know but I, I connect with him we, we don't get to see each other I, I haven't seen him in about man it's probably been about a year and uh, before that probably hadn't seen him for a year maybe even more than that but you know what he is he's he's a guy that I can I can send him a text and say hey, I need some prayer today. And he'll reply, you got it, Rick. He'll be there for me. Dave and I have some great friends in ministry that we never get to see. They're a little bit older than us. When we first started in ministry, we went through this thing called uh, the internship program, and, and the pastors we interned under, they, they have just become great friends. There have been a lot of times where I've, I've, I've had something come up that I had to do in ministry that I did not relish doing. I had to challenge somebody. I had to sit with someone who was going through a tough time and I didn't have the words. I had to challenge somebody or sometimes meeting with a staff member and worried it wasn't going to go right. Sometimes meeting with someone who was in sin and I, I, I didn't want to tell them about their sin. I wanted to tell them about grace and, you know, and all of that. And, and I'd send them a message and they would promise to pray for me. 
And every time that I asked them to pray with me, I would all, every time I've always been able to respond back afterwards that prayer works. Uh, that, that's, the, that's the kind of friends these people are. I've got those. Do you? Do you? You need those kind of people. See, here, here's one of the things about, you know, we're a church of 69.2%. 69.2% of our regular attenders, we're not going to church anywhere before coming here. You know what that means? That means most of you don't have as many Christian friends as I do. You don't have those people like that that you can call on. You, you don't have a, a lot of those people. Uh, you know, I, I, I've, got, I've got dozens because of all my, uh, all my years in, in church. So what do you, you need to make connections. And you know the best place to make connections? Small groups. Small groups. Yeah, I, I, love, I love the fellowship we have before and after service on Sunday. It's awesome. It, again, I'll tell you again, I've been telling you for over 10 years now, it is the number one thing that people say about our church. They'll, they'll say, Pastor, you have the most friendly church I have ever been to in my life. The people are just so friendly. I, I get my hand shook so many times. I get so many hugs on Sunday. I mean, I, I actually know a couple of older ladies that that's the reason they've chosen this church is because of the hugs that they would get, you know. I love that about our church. But you can't truly make connection in 10 minutes before or after a service. You can only do that by spending time together in study in small groups. Two weeks from today, we're going to launch small groups. And this, this semester, we're doing something we've never done before because we need, we need to go deeper. Why am I making this announcement right here in the middle of this sermon? Because this is a sermon about growing. We've chosen this semester to grow. We're going to use a book by Craig Rochelle, and you've heard his name because quotes by him have been on, been on the screen several times every year because of the stuff that he just, he just says and pours into people. And this is not a brand new book, but it is an awesome book. And uh, oh, something, something I, I, didn't, I forgot to say even in the first service. I, I'll give you a little cheat. If you had not heard this one yet, I'll give you a little cheat. If you'll go, if you've got the Bible app on your phone, and if you don't, why don't you? Because it's a free Bible app, which incidentally was created by Craig Groeschel's church for free. They created this Bible app so you can, look, you can read any of the translations of the Bible that have been translated in English. You can read them right there for free. And it's got all these studies and study guides, devotionals. And if you'll go to those and search Divine Direction, there is a, a one-week study. So you can get a little preview of what this book that we're going to study this, this fall in small groups is going to be about. And, and you'll understand why we want to do this. And here's, 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 here, here's, I guess, the ends of the spectrum that I, I kind of see as what we're doing this fall when we're doing this. It's, it's for some of you, some of you that's been Christians for a long time, this is going to be like a refresher just to remind you. Oh, yeah, we're doing this, we're doing this, here's why we do it, here's this and all that. And for some of you, because you're new Christians or, or maybe you've been in church for a little while but you haven't really gotten deep yet, you had not started growing, it's going to be like, I believe, eye-opening for you to say, oh, I didn't know that, oh, I didn't know that. You're going to see that. But I think even those that have been in, in, in church for a while are going to say, oh, yeah, I'd forgotten that. And I believe it's going to be eye-opening for all of us. That's why we're doing this. And so I, I dare you because you need to make those kinds of connections to know that you've got somebody that you can reach out to for prayer. That you don't just, I mean, you know, one of the toughest things to do for me is to ask somebody for help that I've never helped them, you know. So I want to be there for them so they can be there for me. That's what small groups is. Two weeks from today. We're going to tease you some more before then, okay? But you need to go ahead and make up your mind. Here's the last thing, and I'm going to try to, try to hurry. And it's going to be hard, but I'm going to try to hurry. The last thing is consistency. Consistency is so important in everything you do. 
I believe it is one of the I believe it is one of the biggest problems that we face in today's culture. Stuff that you're dealing with, if you would just get consistent, you could beat it. Stuff that you're struggling with, if you would just get consistent. We try something for a little while, but we don't stick with it. This past week, I left, I left, uh, I left back out of the driveway at 5.15 a.m. I don't do that often. Um, this was one of the first, first days in a long time that I actually passed James and Emily Hart's house before they had both left. One of their cars was still in the, in the drive. But one of the things that's really cool to me when you leave that early is that you drive out there, get, get out on Main Street, look that way, look that no car. And it's just crazy to me to not see anybody out, you know. It happens at 5.15. I know some of you just want to take my word for it. You don't want to get up and see it for yourself, do you? You know. And so, I, and so I turn, you know, and I'm driving, rear view mirror, nobody's behind me, nobody's in front of me, side roads, nobody, nobody. Houses are still dark, you know, businesses are still dark, until boom, I finally pass one. I pass the first three businesses, the first three buildings I pass that have cars in front of them and lights on, guess what they are? <laughs> Do I hear McDonald's? No. <laughs> no gyms, workout, exercise places. Those idiots, I mean, those people are up. <laughs> 5 a.m. I mean, they're, they're already in, inside. I'm driving by at 5.15, 5.20. They're inside. They're sweating at 5 a.m. Because you know what? You will get in shape, it's got to take consistency. You want to be in spiritual shape, it's going to take consistency. You can't try this for a little while. It's going to take consistency. Let me, let me, I, and I don't know if I'm saying this exactly like, a, like you need to hear it, but let me say it. I'll explain. Corporate success requires individual commitment. Any group of people. They, uh, imagine a football team where the players are not committed to winning. What kind of team would that be? I know some of you are saying it sounds like my fantasy football league. Sounds like my, sounds like my college team, right? right? They're not com- you've got to have the commitment. Okay, any group of people, any organization any corporate group of people the success of that group is going to depend on the commitment of the individuals in that group now listen to what that means about a church for a church to be successful it's going to depend on the commitment of the individuals in that church so here's what I want to tell you I want I want to tell you I hadn't said this in a long time I'm gonna say it about as strong as I have ever probably said it I'm gonna tell you you need to decide where you belong in a church and then you need to get all in and if this ain't it go find it I I don't say that flippantly I mean that if if 2911 is not the church that you fit that you belong in that you don't that you don't agree with the vision you've got something else then you need to go find that place because you need to be in a place where you are totally sold out and committed and consistency so that you can help the corporate body accomplish what God has given that body to do in the communities you need to find that and it's, it's a, well, you don't know what that is yeah what's the vision of 2011 I've been preaching it for four weeks now if you didn't get it at growth track you've been hearing it for these last four weeks you need, you need to know that, and you need to decide. You need to get that because the church you sit in cannot function and accomplish what God has given it to do unless everyone is committed. Find that place. Roll up your sleeve. And listen, I don't say that because I want people to leave. I say that because I don't want you to think I'm just trying to get you to get committed here. I want you to get committed where you're supposed to be. 
You need to, because you need that for your family. To, to be all in, to sell out completely and everything because, because corporate success requires individual commitment. Okay, so here's three steps real quick. As quick as I can. Start strong. Okay? Start strong. Um, without preaching it, let me give you an example real quick. The next day that you're struggling, now, now listen, we all have difficult issues in life, but the next day that you are struggling to hold it together, I mean, we all have issues, but when you really get to one of those places where you're having a hard time holding it together, that you're, you know, having a hard time not waving at the other drivers with only 20% of your hand, you know, that you're, you're trying to not cuss, you know, or blow up or, you know, whatever. You're struggling. You're struggling just to get through the day. Ask yourself this question. I don't mean, I don't mean just having problems. But when you're struggling with those problems, ask yourself this question. How did I start the day? Did I start strong? Did I start spiritually? Did I read the Bible like Pastor Rick says is so important to do first thing? To just get that in my head that I am a spiritual being. These battles and these struggles that I'm going to face today have nothing to do with physical. It is spiritual stuff and I need, did I start strong? Let's, let's take that another step. The next time you're having a week going that way, ask yourself this question. Did I start the week strong? I love that we start the week right here. The first day of the week, worshiping God. The first hours of the first day of the week, we start right here. The next time you're struggling getting through the week, ask yourself this question. Did I start strong? Did I start in worship? Did I start by bringing my petitions to God? We're going to give you an opportunity to pray this morning. And, and uh, you know, uh, it's, it's, it's kind of hard to say, you know, I try, I'm trying, I'm trying, I'm trying, when you didn't start. Man, take advantage of this moment of prayer and let, and let God help you this week. Start strong. Next, starting strong, the next time you're struggling, ask yourself, did I start strong? Because probably most of the time we didn't. Start strong every week right here. Be here. And listen, I don't mean just be here. I mean be here. You know what it means to be somewhere? Not just show up. I mean be there. Be there in spirit. Be there in heart. Be there in passion. Be there in commitment. Be here, okay? And then secondly, stay strong. Stay strong. Okay, here's three things about consistency. It builds character. It gets us through tough days, but it's missing in many lives today. First of all, it builds character. That when you do what you're supposed to do and you do it consistently, regardless of how you feel, Regardless of anybody else is doing it, it builds character. And so what's the converse of that then? So if you aren't a consistent person, you probably are lacking a little bit of character. You know what they say about integrity, right? Integrity is what you do when nobody else is watching. So if you do something different when nobody else is watching, you're lacking integrity. So if you're not doing what you should do all the time, you're lacking character character comes from consistency it doesn't come from hearing a sermon it doesn't come from reading a book it doesn't come from praying a prayer it comes from consistency and secondly it gets us through the tough days we know that right and some days it's, it's just tough but you just stick it out you're gonna do and consistency gets you through and you make it through not because the day got any easier but because I was consistent and I hung in there like I'm supposed to hang in there but it's missing in so many lives today. And I believe, it is, I believe it's, it's the reason for most business failures. It's the reason for most marriage failures. It's, a re, it's, a, it's 
the reason for most financial failures. I believe that. The lack of consistency. Get up in the morning. It's like, like that uh, Air Force general said. Get up in the morning, make your bed. And every day you will have accomplished one thing before you walk out of your bedroom. Do something. Every single day, consistency. Last thing, stay, and then finish strong. Start strong, stay strong, and finish strong. I love this scripture. I love one little part of this scripture. 1 Corinthians 16, 13, be vigilant, stand fast in the faith, quit yourselves like men, be strong. I love that. Quit yourselves like men. The King James translation, the old, old, old King James translation says, quit ye like men. Quit ye like men. I love that. Y'all are looking at me and what does it mean? Exactly. <laughs> yeah, it took me a while too. I love it. When I figured out what it meant, you know, and I, I asked around, you know, I, I did some research just to make sure. I've used this so many times when I've been asked to, uh, to speak to uh, uh, like, like football team, you know, and, and give a challenge before a, 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 a football game or something. I've used this. Somewhere. I guess this is an awesome sports talk, you know, for, for halftime or something. It's like this. Here's what it means. And this, Paul, Paul wrote this and said this to the church in Corinth. But the, it was also in the Old Testament, the Philistines said it, the enemy of Israel, they actually said it one time, said, quit ye yourselves like men. You know, and so, and what, of course, they didn't speak in that old uh, King James English, but, but so it's obviously a kind of a thing they used to say. Here's what it means. Finish like a man. And when you finish, when you're done, walk off the field like a man. I mean, that's, that's what I'd say to the football players, right? When you, when you finish this game, walk off that field like a man. Here, here's what Paul is saying. Paul is saying, don't slow down before, you're o- before it's over. You've seen the videos, right, of the guy running the race, and he's, a, you know, he's a, almost a half a lap ahead of everybody else, and he starts just waving to the crowd and everything and doesn't realize number two guy's coming up behind him and blows right by him right before they get to the tape. You've seen those? I know some of you all seen them because you all shared them on, on Facebook, right? Or... or, or th- Super Bowl 27, Leon Lett. Anybody, anybody know that story? Leon Lett, Super Bowl 27. Uh, he's, a, he's, a, he's a big 300-pound li- uh, defensive lineman, and uh, the, the Bills quarterback gets hit, gets sacked. He fumbles. Leon Lett picks up the football, runs for a touchdown. Defensive linemen don't get to score touchdowns very often. Leon Lett is going to score a touchdown and gets to about the five-yard line, and he starts a little high-stepping as much as a 300-pound lineman can do. You know, and he's kind of holding the ball back here, you know, doing that high-stepping a little bit. You know, And Don Beebe, uh, one of the arrived receivers, he comes running up behind him. Right as he gets to the line, slaps the ball out of his hand, and it goes out of bounds and into the end zone and out of bounds. So the ball, the ball goes back, not to the Cowboys that Let, Let plays for, but goes back to the Buffalo Bills. Most embarrassing. I mean, it's the Super Bowl. You know, it's like more people in the world are watching that than anything else, and everybody saw it and so embarrassed. I mean, he, that was all back before everybody had a cell phone, and you see this all the time now. That was the quintessential don't stop before it's over. Are you listening to me? This is what Paul is saying. Don't slow down. Run through the tape. Blast across that finish line. You know, I, there are people watching you. Listen, it's more important. And I've heard this a lot in my ministry. i, I got to quit, I know. I've heard this a lot in my ministry. I've, I've, I've done it a long time. It's time for somebody else to do it. You're still here. you still got something to do. And I could, I could, I could preach it, preach it, and preach it, and preach it. But I cannot say any more 
than the testimony and the example of someone who has done it for years and them blasting across the finish line as they're breathing their last breath, still fighting for Jesus and hanging on and doing the things that they're supposed to do. And that example to a younger generation. I can't preach anything better than that. You've been listening to the Church 2911 Sermons Podcast. If you have a prayer need, our prayer team and staff would love to pray with you. You can send us your prayer request by using the email address prayer at church2911.com. If you would like to know more about our church, including information about our weekly services, please check out church2911.com. Thank you for listening. We hope you know that God has an amazing dream for you. And as always, we dare you to dream.